Okay, good morning. Good morning. All right. I hope we have a, if we, Scott, are you going to get some more? Thank you. Appreciate Yeah, just down the hall, closet on the left. Uh, good morning. Good, great to have you all here. Uh, I, my wife, Tracy, is not here right now. Uh, we're, we've been on and off struggling with, uh, with a dog at home that uh, is, is sick. We, we've, we've cracked the riddle. Uh, believe it or not. This is more information you wanted to know. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today in, uh, in Ephesians. Uh, but our dog was getting into a tomato plant, uh, which again, tomatoes are fine for dogs, red ones. The green ones and the, and the vines, not so much. And so, you know, just this dog has been persistently sick and we thought we're getting better, but then the dog got back and we finally cracked the code this week and realized, oh my gosh, we have to keep her away from the tomato plant. So right now uh, she's at home with the dog. Uh, and uh, because the dog is, is really sick. Uh, so if you, if you pray for dogs, <laughs> you, might, you might pray for Tracy's patience with, uh, with Ruby, and that Ruby would, uh, would start to feel better. This is, I've, if, for those of you that have been in my class for a while, you know that Ruby is also the dog who uh, is notorious for eating socks. Uh, and so we, just when we think we got you know, her figured out, uh, she finds something else. So anyway, something else, something, let me tell you something I love about my wife, Tracy. Tracy is as steady as she goes. She is rock solid, not easily rattled, and she doesn't lose it, hardly ever. In fact, it was before we were married, she and I, that uh, we, we were engaged. And believe it or not, when we first got engaged, I was unemployed, which is great selling <laughs> to her, her father that, listen, I, I'm going to get it worked out, okay? I'm going to get it worked out. Uh, I'd like to marry your daughter. I am broke. I, I, my net worth is in the negative, but please don't let that be negative uh, uh, in your mind. Uh, and I got no irons in the fire, too. So, <laughs> but I'm looking hard. I'm looking hard. And in fact, I, I was so much in the negative at the time that uh, uh, I decided to sell my house, which was a town home. I had to do something. I, th I thought I'd better sell my home and, and go live under a bridge or something like that to, to minimize my expenses. So I put my home for sale and I even moved out. I even moved out of the house uh, because I thought I'll either sell it or lease it. I got I to gotta hedge my bets here. Whichever comes first, I got to take whatever offer that is. And so, again, I, if, whatever bite I got. Uh, so, so the place was empty and I moved in with a friend, not, not under a bridge. Uh, and I, I would go back to my town home from time to time to check on it to make sure everything was okay and everything was in good order. I'd vacuum up or clean up because I maybe would have someone coming to look at it. Uh, and, and one time I got there, I uh, unlocked the door, I opened the door and was greeted by a wall of water. Uh, not, okay, not a literal, I exaggerate for effect, it wasn't a wall, but the floor was, was completely covered uh, with water and I could hear running water. Who knows how long it had been running? It was coming from upstairs, a pipe had broken upstairs in the bathroom and so the, the, the upstairs was soaked too and it began to rain down through uh, the ceiling, uh, so raining in the house. Now remember now, I'm broke. I have no, no money. This is not good. I immediately called Tracy and, and I was in a panic. I was like, it's flooded. Everything, everything's flooded. And I was just, I, I just was completely beside myself. It's coming from the ceiling. There's water ever. And Tracy responds with, well, let me get my galoshes. <laughs> that was her response. And I said, this is no time to joke. Why are you joking? This is terrible. This is a tragedy. And she was like, hey, calm down, Fesco. It's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And I had trouble calming down, but we, talk, we later talked about it. And, and as she explained to me, it's, it is okay. It's going to be okay. I, I know it's trouble, uh, but I know ultimately everything's going to be okay. It's fine. And you know what? We were. We were fine. We were fine. We survived and it's all okay. And as a result, 
I, I think now that I've been married to her for 20 years, some of her disposition has rubbed off on me. She's taught me a lot in that regard. You know what? It, don't, don't, freak over, don't freak out over the small stuff. And even you get to a point where don't, don't freak out over the big stuff because you know what? You have a God who's in control. That God who's in control has a, has a watchful eye on you. And you know what? It's going to be okay. One way or, one way or another, it's going to be okay. And uh, you know what? Again, we're fine. And, and, and that's what I want to talk about today. We're, we're going to talk about emotions. We're, we're, we're going to talk about our feelings, okay? Uh, are feelings a good thing or a bad thing? Are emotions a good thing or are they a bad thing? Believe it or not, yes, the Apostle Paul might have something to say about this very thing in the book of Ephesians. Okay, we've made it to chapter 3. And, uh, and last week where Paul, uh, he began a thought, he began a thought right at the start of chapter 3 and he got interrupted. He got sidetracked. So everything from, from verse 2 to, to basically 13, 2 through 13 was all a, an oh by the way. And he starts talking about his mission and his purpose as, a, uh, um, as an apostle and as a pastor. Uh, and then he, he again, also that, that sidebar and, and, and the fact that he's in prison and why, why even being in prison is something to rejoice over. So that's why I say when, when I say don't sweat the small stuff, uh, Paul's telling us don't sweat the small stuff in jail. He's in jail and he's saying, you know what, this is something to rejoice over. This is, we, we should rejoice over the fact because in my, because of my imprisonment, the gospel is coming to you. And that's, that's an amazing thing. That's great. That's something to praise the Lord over. So he tells us about the household of God that, that was comprised of Jews and Gentiles. And at the end of chapter two, he begins with chapter three. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he's sidetracked for a dozen verses and then picks his thought up in verse 14. So we're going to start there. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 3, verse 14 and following, or you can follow along with me up here. I have it up here for your convenience, starting in verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's basically praying over them now. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Okay, that's what we're going to circle in on today, zoom in on it. To know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, now he's going to go into a benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Uh, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so those are our verses today. And see, basically, we see that Paul was sidetracked, right? He's about to start a prayer, right? He was about to start this prayer. And coming off of chapter 2, he's telling us about the household of God comprised of Jews and Gentiles who were saved, not by their own doing, but by the work of Christ. For by grace you've been saved. You know, that's sort of his thesis statement through all this. And this causes him to then burst out in a prayer here. And there's a lot being said here, uh, but in this prayer, once you start reading it carefully, you, you might get a little confused, especially when we talk about that verse that I just, uh, that I just highlighted. When he says, uh, let me tell you what I mean. What, Paul, what is Paul praying for here? You have to remember, this is a letter to the church, okay? And it's a letter to Christians, right? And his prayer for them, his prayer for you and me is what? Verse 17, my prayer is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that's sort of the, 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 the uh, emphasis of his prayer. 
And then he states the second line, the second half of that verse of his prayer. He sort of completes the thought that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So his prayer that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So when you read that, that, that may cause you to stop and, and even take a step back and say, wait a minute, I'm a Christian uh, and I thought Christ already dwelled in my heart and I thought I already had the fullness of God. As a Christian, don't I have the fullness of God in me or am I just filled in a, in a partial manner? What do you think? What, to what degree am I filled with God once I effectively place my trust in the work that he's done in me? Am I sort of filled? Am I all the way filled? Who wants to take a stab at that? It's not a trick question. Yeah, Emily. We have to grow. We do have to grow, okay. So, I mean, filled for where we are in our life, probably. Mm-hmm. So we're still growing. We're still growing in our faith. But in terms of, uh, of the love we have of the Father, the acceptance we have of the Father, you know, if, for those of you that were in the early service, you're gonna get a, if you've not already heard that, you can get a pre, uh, the, uh, the picture of the prodigal son. Okay, so we're growing. But in terms of our love and the acceptance of the Father, do we have that fully? Do we have that partially? Fully. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, were, you emphatically answered that. Because again, we're, what we're talking about are two things, you know, justification and sanctification. Sanctification is the growth process, but again, justification, the Father's acceptance, you've got it. You put your trust, your trust in Christ, you have it. It's fully accepted and there's nothing that'll never diminish. Okay, you have the love of God in you. You have the power of God in you. Okay, so in no uncertain terms, here and all throughout the Bible, we read that Christians have been brought to fullness. Oh, I have a couple of verses to even highlight this fact here that uh, you know you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is John 14, 17. This is Jesus in his, in his high priestly prayer over the disciples in the upper room right before he was about to uh, proceed in his suffering on the cross. And he's telling the disciples, he dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, Colossians 2, 9 to 10, for in him we have the whole fullness of deity uh, dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Okay, so again, are we filled with the fullness of Christ? Yes, yes, we read that we are filled with the fullness of Christ. You don't get a half portion. Every Christian has, uh, has Christ dwelling in their, in their heart. And, and if that's the case, why is Paul praying here in Ephesians for the church that the Christ would, would dwell in their hearts, that they would be filled with the fullness of God? Is it, is this, isn't this something we already have? What's Paul saying here? Okay, so here's a hint. Uh, here's a hint. Read at the end of verse uh, read all, let's read all of verse 19. Uh, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled. Okay, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, what does surpasses knowledge mean? That's what we want to focus on today. What does surpasses knowledge? Okay. To pass human understanding. Okay, how do you describe that? If someone says, what does that mean that something that surpasses human understanding? Is it something that you you feel or that you have a hunch about? This is what I was talking about. When we were talking about emotions and things like that, are we talking about emotions or or what are we talking about? God's thoughts are above our thoughts. 
We can't fully wrap our minds around the idea. So when Paul prays for that, I pray that you would experience, I pray that you would know this, something that's beyond human understanding, okay? I think what Paul is getting at here is that it's possible to know that God loves you. It's possible to know that you're filled with the fullness of God, but not really know it. Not really know it. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's possible to know that God dwells in you, but it's, it's quite another to really know it, to experience it, to experience. How do you experience it? Because I could communicate something to you. I could tell you something, but maybe you don't know it. Maybe you don't fully understand it until you experience it, right? Okay. This is something we touched on when we first got into Ephesians. We talked about the major themes that are presented in the book. And one of the things we touched on early in the study is that it's possible to have a massive fortune. It's possible to be wealthy beyond idea and have no idea what to do with it. Okay, that's the way that many of us go about And I always compare that to you know, when people come into a lot of money and they blow it because they just don't know what to do with it. They don't know it. Or, or, or they never touch it. They just leave it alone. And, and they just, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to invest it, right? And this is the way that many of us go about living the Christian life. We, we have the very presence of God in us, the fullness of the Spirit of God in us, and yet we live in spiritual poverty. Okay? And so this is what Paul is getting at here. This is his prayer for you. Think about that. You have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. How does, that, how does that change the way you live your life from day to day? How does that affect the way? Imagine, imagine if we really, really understood that and, and, and were able to wrap our minds around the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and how does it affect our lives from day? Does it, does it make a difference, right? And so this is why I want to start talking about uh, emotions. Um, because this is Paul's prayer for you here. He, he isn't talking about blind emotion, though. He's not just talking about getting lathered up into a feeling and then running with that. Okay, there's a school of thought. There's one school of thought that says we should fear emotion. Okay, that we should be suspicious of it. Um, I told you a story about before I was married, when we just started talking here today. And when you're trying to figure out whether or not a person is the one, remember, how, how many of you remember, that, remember have, have any sort of conversation? Are, is this person the one? Are they the one? Right? And, and so, it, so you start asking all kinds of questions and other people start asking the questions. How do, you, how do you know you're in love? How do you know you're in love? Okay? And if you've ever talked to a teenager who says they're in love, you should try it. This is fantastic. Okay? Ask them, how do you know? Inevitably, the answer will be something along the lines of, well, well it's just a feeling that I get when I'm around them. Okay, uh, I, I like the way they make me feel. I used to work with students, by the way. I have a, 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 fi a 15 and a 17 year old who are not talking like this yet. But I know it's coming, right? I know it's coming. But when I used to work with students, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard something along those lines, you know, uh, that, oh my goodness, I love the way they make me feel, okay? And, and what I would tell them is love is more than just a feeling, right? You've heard that. Love is more than a feeling. And, and, and uh, when, I remember when I was told this and I first started to wrap my mind around this, it was groundbreaking. Someone said to me, love isn't a feeling. Love, love isn't an emotion. Love is a decision that you make. Love is a decision that you make. Lo love can't be a feeling because feelings change, right? Feelings change. And that's true. Uh, if we're talking about what is defined as love, as the Bible sees it, right? It's, it's not a feeling because feelings change, okay? Sometimes, believe it or not, my wife feels negatively about me. <laughs> believe it or not. But that doesn't mean that she loves me less, right? Now, when I first grasped this idea, guess what? I, I began then to discount 
my emotion. I began to be suspicious of my emotions. And I even affirm this by reading verses like uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, which says this, right? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand that? That's a great verse to have when you're dating, right? <laughs> now, I'd read that and you think, yeah, you can't trust the heart. You can't trust your emotions. You have to rely on knowledge, okay? Now, here's where you come in. Is, that, is this statement that I'm saying, is that true or false? You can't rely on feeling. You can't rely on emotion. Knowledge only. Knowledge is, is, the, is, the, is the gateway to really understanding what love is, right? Some of you shaking your heads no. Anyone shaking their heads yes? No one shaking their heads yes. How many just don't know? How many are undecided still? Not sure what to think yet. Okay, a few of you. What's that? What? Could it be both? Could be both, right? Okay, this is what Paul is talking about here. This is what Paul, Paul is not trying to get you all lathered up in emotions. What he's saying here is not, well, the answer is emotions. You have to surpass knowledge and get to emotions. That's not what he's saying. But he's also not saying the answer is knowledge. It, it can't be what he's saying because he's talking about something that surpasses knowledge. All right, so what's he talking about? Is it just something spiritual that we'll never know? We'll never, we'll never wrap our minds around it? Well, I can't say it. I, well, what about, can I feel it? You know? So, so here's the idea that we have to choose between knowledge, knowledge and emotion. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not even that we have to have a balance of the two, what Paul is saying. What Paul is praying for us is that we experience full knowledge and full emotion. He wants us to experience full knowledge, thank you, Wendy, and full emotion, right? How do you do that? The knowledge you have of Christ, the, the one who is the embodiment of truth, your knowledge of him would inform your emotion. The heart's response that you have for him, that's the model Paul is setting up for us here. The knowledge comes first and it triggers the heart's response, okay? You see, I, I could tell, I could tell my wife that I, I love her every single day and I could do many things for her every single day to show her that I love her. I, I could remind her of it too, right? Look, Tracy, here's how good of a husband I've been today. Okay? Look, Tracy, I fixed your car today so, so that you have reliable transportation because of course I'm going to do that. Of course I am because I love you, right? I could inform her of these things and pass that knowledge on to her continually. But if I never allow her to witness the knowledge in the context of, of my heart, right? If I, if I never get her, get her flowers or if I never remember our anniversary, or, or give her a gift as a reflection of the knowledge that I, I've, I've passed on to her, she'll never experience the fullness of our relationship. It's both fullness of emotion, fullness of knowledge, fullness of, mo uh, of emotion. And believe you me, I've certainly not mastered this. I'm still working on it. In fact, Tracy will send me uh, a picture of a flower arrangement saying, look at the flowers you bought for me today. <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, if I only give her gifts, right, and never show through action, providing her knowledge of my lover, my, my relationship would be very shallow, wouldn't it? If I only brought her flowers, if I only did those things. So what is the answer? The answer is to do both fully. You know, how do you do that? If it's both knowledge and the heart, how do you do both? You can't exactly say, okay, well, now, now I'm going to be emotional right? <laughs> that, would be a little, that, would, that would be a little disingenuous. Uh, that would be totally superficial. You, you can't make yourself be emotional. Well, well, Paul gives us a clue as to how this works, and it comes by way of the word that some translation, uh, it's rendered grasp, okay? This is a really interesting word. Look at verse 18. Uh, 
we may have, uh, may ha that you may have strength to comprehend, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Uh, that's the ESV. Uh, this version is the NIV. Look what it says. That you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. That's a little stronger than, than, than just comprehend. Don't you think grasp is a little stronger than, than comprehend? Okay, and so, you know, I've been doing a little studying recently. I've been looking into the Greek, right? And the word for grasp here is, is a Greek word, katalambano, uh, and that's an interesting word. You know, you know what it means? Uh, when I look it up, I get the definition of overtake, to be overtaken. Uh, I've read a sermon from Tim Keller who went so far as to say he rendered it as ambush. So it would be so that you may have the strength to comprehend all the Lord's holy people and how to be overtaken or ambushed by how wide and how long and high and deep the love of Christ. That's the LEF amplified version that I've been <laughs> Isn't that great though? Isn't that great? Have you ever been overtaken by how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is? Have you ever been ambushed by that? In the Bible, whenever we read about the difference between head knowledge and, and experience, it usually, it's usually descriptive of something sensory, okay? In Ephesians 1, it says, I, I, don't, I don't want you to just know about the power of God. I want your eyes to be enlightened to see it. It's, that's sensory language, sensory language. But do you see how this, this works? It doesn't just happen independent of knowledge. It works with knowledge. So there, there's this kind of emotion that arises out of, out of truth and that descends into the core of your being, to your heart. And so when the Spirit starts to work in you, He, he, he prepares and, and He changes your, your inmost self, your inner being. And what we usually call, uh, um, and what we usually call the Bible, um, or what the Bible usually calls that, we usually say the heart, the heart. I, I, the Bible says, I'll give you a new heart right? And when the truth, instead of just, just being up here intellectually, descends down into your inner being by the power of the Spirit, instead of just knowing it, right? You sense it, you taste it, you hear it, you, you touch it, you feel it, it takes over, it ambushes you, and you say, oh my word, oh my word. Uh, hey, David. Y'all know, is there a party or anything happening? <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> this was not planned. This was not planned. Yeah. Yeah, 4 p.m., yeah, yeah. We were just ambushed by David Filson. <laughs> Catalambano, right there, right in our midst. Do you know one of the reasons we take communion is because, yes, it's a sacrament. It was something commanded by God for us to do. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that the sacraments are sensible signs. Sensible signs, meaning, meaning not like common sense, Right, but something that you sense with your faculties. You taste the bread and the wine. You see the outpouring of water. Those are signs that are meant to be sensed, okay? That are meant to be sensed. Do you see what we're talking about here? Our emotions, our hearts. When this overtakes us, when it happens like we read here about in Ephesians, the heart and the emotion never acts independently of knowledge, never. The word of the Lord comes first and the knowledge of him then comes the ambush, the overwhelming, the sense that follows, okay? I remember growing up and I'd be in church and I'd usually see, it was usually my mom, my mom, uh, uh, I'd see her up there, I'd see her singing one of the hymns and she'd get emotional. She'd start to well up with tears uh, and, uh, and start to become, uh, uh, she was ambushed. 
She was suddenly ambushed, right? And, and I'd see that, and I'd get a little concerned because even as a child, even in my teen years, when I knew I was a Christian. I knew I was a Christian, but I'd get concerned because I never had emotions like that. I never responded. I, I never sang a hymn and started crying, you know, when, when I heard a song or read a Bible verse. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure I've ever been ambushed. I've never been overwhelmed by emotion as a result of the knowledge of the gospel. I'd like to experience that, right? But I don't know that I ever have. How does this work? How does it happen? And let me tell you something. This is, this is how emotion can run off the rails in church because we start to make that the thing. That's the thing that makes you genuine, your, your, your emotions, the outward sign that you show. And so, so we try all these things to get us lathered up and saying that this is genuine faith. This is genuine faith, and that's not quite it. That's not what Paul is saying. Again, it's, it's, it's knowledge first. It's knowledge first that informs the heart, and then comes the, the overtaking, okay? Uh, because anything else is, is emotion without knowledge. Emotion without knowledge is, is, is without, it's like a house without a foundation, okay? So first things first, you can't force this. You can't, you, can't, you can't make it happen on your own. You can't manufacture it. Manufacture it. And, it, and it, uh, it doesn't always manifest itself in tears and, and hands held high. But it does in some way solicit a response from the heart. In some way. Okay? Uh, and Paul's prayer for you, Paul's prayer for you is, is, is how do you get there? How do you genuinely get there? I'm going to suggest three things. Three things. There could be more. But these are the three things that are essential, I think. Uh, first of all, how does one fall in love? How does one fall in love? When you first meet your spouse, how did you go from acquaintances to falling in love? It usually takes time. It usually takes time spending time with one another, right? I bet there are a number of you in here uh, that are married. When you, At least one of the two of you would, would say, uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm just going to generalize here. It's usually the woman, but sometimes the man too. You know, I just didn't like him at first. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. I didn't like him that much at first, but over time, over time, he started to grow on me. He started, you're shaking your head yes. I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't mean to put it, but I know there's others of you in here like, you know, I didn't quite like him at first, but then over time he grew on me. He grew on me. I was overtaken, right? Uh, how do we get there? How do, we, how do you do that? You, it, it took some time. You spend time together. How do you do that with the Lord? I, I, it's a really boring answer, all right, but word and prayer. I wish I, I, wish I had a, another more exciting, but this is exciting though. This really is, and, and, and it's something that we talk about over and over and over again, and you can't bypass it. You can't shortcut it. it it's, it's, really, it's really the only thing I can tell you that says if you really want to get to that place where, where the, the knowledge that you have in your head somehow reaches, reaches down to the depths of your soul, your heart, it has to come by way of word and prayer, all right? Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you know this one? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you know what this is describing? This, this is describing sanctification, what we talked about earlier. This is sanctification. This is growing in Christ. And as you grow, as the word is planted in you, it takes root, you're developed fully, that the man of God may be made complete. The man of God is, is complete, is the full man, his or her mind and heart, word and prayer. The more time you spend in the word, the more affection you have for it. The more time you spend in the word, the more affection you have for it. You literally develop an affection for it uh, because you start to, to realize these repeated truths and you see how you know, from the knowledge that you, 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 you have in your head, how it seeps down into your heart. Have you ever meditated on the Word of God? Meditated is a word uh, that has a lot of mixed, uh, uh, mixed 
understanding. It's got a lot of baggage because I think it, it immediately conjures up an image in your mind. When, when you think of meditation, we often associate it with something like yoga. Uh, uh, one time when my kids were much younger, um, I came into my bedroom and they were on the floor, uh, having recently come out of the shower. Their towels were wrapped around their heads and they were sitting like this. And I asked them, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and my youngest says, yogurt, dad. <laughs> doing yogurt. When we think of meditation, the association that often accompanies that is, is the emptying of one's mind. Let's, let's empty our minds, right? That's not it. If I can say this, that, that's not Christian meditation. When you, when you meditate on the word of God, it's not an emptying of your mind. It's a filling of your mind. For me, it doesn't involve me sitting on a mat with my eyes closed. Sometimes it comes by way of me asking, how am I going to explain this to my class? How am I going to explain this uh, to you all? And, and I think through it and I try and break it down and I chew on it and I chew on it and chew on it. That's meditating on the word. That's one way of meditating on the word. Okay. Uh, you don't have a class perhaps, right? But, but whether you know it or not, you're still, you're still a teacher to somebody. One way or another, you are a teacher to somebody. Okay. And how would you explain to your kids, to your grandkids, to your lost neighbor, your family, what, what sanctification is? How do you explain that to them? What, what, what substitutionary atonement is? How do you, how do you explain that to them? You, you, you think through it. You read through the passages that tell us about the lamb that came, that, that, uh, that, that uh, provided for the sins of the world. Think on that. Chew on that. How do I explain how Jesus is the lamb of God? How do I do that? Well, that's going to take me back to the Old Testament. That's going to take me to the, uh, uh, to the sacrificial lamb. And, and I have to explain, how do I explain how that's relevant to someone who doesn't know anything about what substitutionary atonement is? Chew on it. Meditate it. Do that. Then one day, one day, I promise you, you'll be in church and you'll, you'll read a line in a song that says something like, Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. You'll read something like that and you'll get ambushed because you understand the truth behind it. You understand the knowledge. You understand what substitutionary atonement is. And you realize that, yes, his wounds have paid my ransom. And that, that, that sinks in and it sticks to you and you're like, oh, and, and, and again, related to word and prayer, as I mentioned above, I, I know, I know, I'll throw the sacraments in there too. The sacraments. W whenever we take communion, there, uh, that's a sacrament given to us by, by Christ. It's, it's a sensible sign. The sacraments are, are like word pictures. So when I say sacrament, that's for us, it's, it's uh, communion and baptism. Okay, those are the, the two sacraments that we have in, in, uh, in the Protestant church. Uh, a physical, it's a physical act that hearkens a piece of knowledge that you have tucked away. The sacrament can awaken that knowledge. Again, the sacraments are nothing more than the word and pictures. Okay? What's another way? How, how, can, we, how can we love God uh, with his spirit? Uh, how can it come in and sensitize my heart so that I can really have a sense of, of his love in my life? You have, you have prayer. You have the word. Here's another one. Obedience. Obedience. Note, notice how Paul started in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, what do you what do you think of when you when you think of uh, uh, kneeling in church? What immediately comes to your mind? We we did it this morning. What? Prayer. prayer. Almost always, we think about prayer, confession, uh, and, and we, we we say, hey, if you're able to use the kneelers, go ahead and kneel. Right? Uh, why do we say that? Have you ever heard someone explain? Go ahead and kneel because kneeling is what? Is what? Submission. Submission. It's it's a reflection of what, what's in your heart. Sometimes they'll say it's an outward sign. It's an outward posture of, 
of what is in a, in the inner reality of your heart. That is, uh, I, I'm submitting myself. I'm submitting myself uh, to the Lord. We say this all the time in confession. Uh, to kneel before the Father is basically saying, I obey. I submit to you. Not my will, but yours, yours be done. I obey you unconditionally. You know, I, I think all of us uh, at some level have understood what it means to live under a cloud of, of, uh, of disobedience. Uh, uh, we've all been through ruts in our walk with Christ. And most often the rut is caused by some sort of disobedience some sort of discipline, neglecting something that we ought to do or running back to a particular sin. Uh, if you think you're the only one who does that, you're not alone. You're not alone. We all, we all do it. We all have those seasons. And if you're ever in one of those seasons where you know that you've been ignoring his prompting, ignoring what you know it plainly says in his word, it's awfully hard in those seasons to pray, Lord, fill me with your fullness and love. Okay? Because just at a psychological level, you're never really going to sense his love. You're not going to grasp it. You're not going to be overtaken by it if your conscience is bothering you because you know you're doing something that's wrong, because you know you're neglecting something. It's really hard to ever get to that place if you're deliberately avoiding his word, if you're deliberately avoiding something that, uh, that is trying to bring you to a place where you're, where you're in fellowship with the Lord. And so that's what the word, that's what, that's what obedience does, is it brings your, your will aligned with him. And again, you'll, you'll never experience that, that sort of uh, intimacy. It'll never sink down into your heart if you're pushing, the, pushing away at the word. You'll, you'll never be able to do it. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to you know, throw stones at you here because, again, these are things that I wrestle with, too, all the time. And again, I have to be reminding myself of these things over and over and over again. Make sense before I continue? I got one more. Community, the church, the church itself, the church itself. Notice what it says in verse 17 and 18, uh, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. You do this in community. You do this in community better than you can as an individual. Essentially, if you want to know God, you need to be deeply involved in community, in the church. Remember what we talked about last week. This is from Ephesians 3.10. And listen, this, I, the, the, so that the, through the church, I love this phrase, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly places. Through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known. You know, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it if you don't get plugged into community uh, uh, because of the community of Christ, because it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is put on display. You want to experience the manifold wisdom of God? You got to do it in the church. That's where, that's where the word of God is telling us you find it. So, so you put all those things together. You know, ask yourself if you have all those things present in your life and you're wondering why your heart is not stirred like Paul is talking about. Ask yourself if you have all those things firing. Because again, this isn't a checkbox thing. This isn't a do this, do this, do this, do this, and now you're accepted. Remember what we said earlier, you're already accepted. You're already accepted. But what Paul is praying for you here is that you would experience it, that you would feel it, that you would know it, that you, it would surpass knowledge. And so, yes, that's what sanctification is. The Lord could have done sanctification on his own. He could have just said, you're all perfect now. Great. Good job. But instead he said, no, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do the hard work. Do the things that bring you to a place where you're, 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 you're surpassing knowledge. Do the hard work. Do the prayer. Do the obedience. Uh, do the community. Do all these things together, okay? 
word, sacrament, obedience in the church. One final thought, it's, it's the understanding that this isn't something you do alone. Again, it's not something that you do, you force yourself to do. Rather, it's something that the Spirit is at work uh, and is already doing in you. That's why he finishes with. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. He's asking you to do these things, not, not again, as a, as a mental exercise, not as a, as a blind exercise, because, again, he is the one that does abundantly more than we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, the Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Any final thoughts, comments, or questions about any of that? Because again, I know it's a lot when we start talking about feelings and emotions, and we want to have them rightly ordered. Again, knowledge informs the heart so that you can experience knowledge fully and emotion fully together. Okay? Thoughts, comments, questions? Insults, accusations, anything. I'm ready for it. I've, I've been through the presbytery. <laughs> Anybody? I think the piece about knowledge that it says for him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And I think that's where we, we're like, we can't imagine it any other way. Mm -hmm. He tells us to dance. Like, he does far more than we could ever possibly imagine. And so we won't ever fully understand. We won't. We can't Not this side of heaven. Mm. Right. It's still beyond us. And, but you see, it's almost like he's giving us a hint, though. But, you, know, you want to taste it? You want to, you want to know? You want, to, you want just, a, just a glimpse, a foreshadowing of, of what awaits you? There's a way to, to surpass that, that, that knowledge. Yeah, no, you'll never, you'll never have it fully. Not, not this side of heaven. But you want to taste it? There, there's a way. Yeah, Trudy. It just makes me think about how many times when I've really prayed for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I couldn't even imagine. And that's what it makes me think about. Um, he's able to do far more abundantly yeah. than all we ask, and he does. How many times have you been ambushed, overwhelmed in that sense, where you're expecting, well, Lord, will you, will you at least do this? Can you do this for me? And he does something that's beyond even what you... Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. All of this makes me just think of the mystery of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very mysterious. It's mysterious, but again, he gives us glimpses, right? He gives us a peek behind the veil, as it, as it were. Which, which, you know, if not for his, if not for him, if not for him, there, but for the grace of God, you know, it, 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 even that is his work. Even faith is his work. It's not of yourself, lest anyone can boast. But he still gives it to us. He still gives us something, which is more than we could ever achieve on our own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because his surpasses that. So yeah, yeah. Watching the news and you become so overwhelmed with the knowledge we're given on earth mm -hmm. that we forget he's bigger than that. He's bigger than that, absolutely. You know, because again, what, what uh, we, we often, I, Sandy and I were talking about this not too long ago, just the idea that uh, uh, when, when you start studying what, what, the, what the world has revealed through science, right, uh, it can be overwhelming. It can be that this is what the, what the, the world tells me is true. But again, when I, when I hold it up against the scriptures, uh, there is something that we have to have there that, that is an element of faith that says, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this all works out. But I know that, that what the Lord has given me is true. And, and that somehow, somehow he'll, he'll work all those two things together. And, and, uh, and it's not for me to know right now. But again, at some point, I think I will. I think I will know. Yeah. Someone else? Thought? Well, the, oh, the scientist right on cue. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what really strikes 
is mm -hmm. still so true on some level. So, you know, uh, it's talking about our knowledge, our heart, our need for social, our need for physical. Like, like it's, it's, yeah. it's hitting us in all our dimensions. We are social creatures. So mm -hmm. We have a physical body, so we need a physical reminder. And, and um, uh, Tim Keller has a neat series where he talked about part of it was around um, like the importance of the physical of the communion and, and, and the baptism of how we actually need a physical component to worship as well, mm -hmm. which we forget. The need to engage us intellectually, you know, and, and fulfill us that way and, and give us the rooting and then the need to engage us emotionally. Like mm -hmm. it really is, Christianity isn't trying to neglect any of those things. Right. And it's all here in that one little passage. Mm -hmm. that, I, I love, well, very well said how the Bible gives us things that we need that we often don't know that we need. How many times do we try and fool ourselves by saying, we were talking a little about this last week. I'm okay, just me and Jesus. That's, that's all I need, just me and Je Jesus. I don't need the community. I don't need, but the, what the Bible is telling us, you do need it. You don't know you need it sometimes, but you do need it because we are, that's how we're made. We're made in his image. We're even, even the Father himself exists in a, in a, in a, in a triune uh, uh, deity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect fellowship. What does that say? What does that testify to the fact? You're, you're better. You're better with a community uh, you're, because you're a reflection of who he is. You're made in his image. And again, so if you think, oh, yeah, I can just get by on my own uh, with, with the side of Jesus. No, that's not what this is telling us. I, he's telling us, I know you better than you know yourself. And this is what you need. Yeah, well said. Someone else? All right. Again, if you have any other thoughts, comments, or questions, or things that, you know, well, I don't want to talk about that in front of everyone with my hand raised, please come talk to me. I'm, I'm glad to, to work these, uh, these things uh, through with you. So, uh, doors always open. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the wonder of your word. We thank you for how you've made us, uh, that you've made us in your image, uh, that you've made us to, to walk in, in the footsteps and in the shadows of Christ uh, to ultimately be made complete in him. So Father, help us. Help us to work out our salvation. Help us to do those things to, to cause us to, to grow in Christ. We thank you that you could have just, you could have just done it yourself, but instead you've, you've invited us in and you've told us to do these things because it's for our benefit because it's for our good, it's for, it's for our growth, it's for our flourishing. Uh, and we thank you. So Father, stir our hearts uh, so that we uh, chase after these things and, and be made in the image of, your, of you and your son. Uh, go with us now. Uh, help us uh, uh, to communicate these things to, to people that, uh, that need to hear it. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. God bless.